With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, good evening and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. This is the viewer's voice. My name is Emmett and with me tonight is Ash and Dan. Um, we do also have Ron uh, coming on board as well, but he's currently uh, a text there to say that he's just trying to close a deal with somebody called Nunez. Um, I don't know what he's talking about. Um, how are you tonight, lads? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Been a busy week. Um, nearly the weekend. Nearly another game day. Cannot wait, mate. Cannot wait. It's been a long and tiring summer, Ron. But yeah, all good, mate. All good. Good stuff. And Dan, welcome back. How are you, pal? <clears throat> I'm all good. Cheers, Emmett. Um, yeah, a couple of weeks off, thankfully for me. Um, F1 shut down. Good to the FIA, so yeah, nice two weeks at home for me before we uh, get back into it. And after that, it's nine races in 12 weeks, so it's going to be a big, big push to the end of the season. But yeah. That's a, you, you do that for work? I work for Red Bull Racing, yeah. All right, very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hot shot yeah. over there. We'll try to get him up for a few tickets, Ash. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, look, since we, we Ash, you were on last week and we were all really looking forward to the start of the, of the new season, uh, Dan, we touched on it as well um, when, when you were on two weeks ago. So, everybody's really kind of had their opinion on it. We won't go back into it in too much detail because I'm conscious that people in the, the comment section, we've spoken about it on a few shows at this stage, but. Give us a, a, your kind of brief brief opinion on what happened last uh, Saturday morning, Ash. Um, I think I kind of cursed it, mate, on last week's episode. <laughs> there was me saying it's going to be 4-5-0. And I'm hoping that someone in midfield doesn't get injured. And then look what happens. Thiago decides to pull up and then out for the next six weeks. So I'm not even going to make a prediction, mate, for this week because I don't want to get a little lash in from everyone and uh, jinxing it. So... Um, I'm, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut about Monday. But it was just frustrating, very frustrating. Uh, I think we were lucky in the end. But if we're going to play like that and still get some out of it, I'm all for it. Um, but, yeah, could have done better. It was a bit of a shame. But we move on to the next one, mate, really. Good stuff. And, Dan, what did you make of it? Um, I mean, I was just saying to, to Chris before we came on that I missed 
the the first 55 of the game so I had to watch that back at a, a later point in the night but um to me they they just looked all of them I mean there was four or five that you could probably pull out and say they weren't you know they, they weren't brilliant at all but I think as a, as a collective they just looked they just looked a yard short um they didn't seem to be that is expected to see from them, especially when you looked at them against City the week before. They looked like they were they were just about there, or they were peaking towards the right time. And then um, I think I read or listened to one of the Anfield Rap um, podcasts, and they were saying that Klopp had said pre-game or in the lead up to the game that he'd wanted an extra two two weeks, ideally for pre-season. So I think it, it's possible he's run the legs off them in that week. And they've probably gone into that game Saturday midday, and they've just—it's not there. In, it's not there in the legs. It's there in the mind, but it's not there in the legs. And I, we were sure. And I was saying to Chris as well before, <clears throat> um, Mitrovic is an okay centre forward. He'll score probably you know ten or fifteen goals in the se- in the season this year for for Fulham. But we made him look like a, a striker that belongs in a team in the top six, and he's not a top six striker. You know, no. it, it should have been early on. Van Dijk, it's not Matip's game but, and it's probably not Virgil's, but one of them, maybe even Robbo, should have just let something on him because he's got a temperament and he has got a temper and you can fluster him. And I think if we just put something on him early doors because he was running amok, he might have got a different story, but yeah, I don't know. Clip his wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think uh, Ash try, trying to take the blame on his prediction last week, but um, I don't know whether we have a, a Canadian friend of ours tuning in on Irish and British time because uh, he's currently on Irish soil. Um, but he also made a statement about Mitrovic the week before saying the last time he was in the Premier League, he was absolute garbage. So um, I think yeah. maybe um, Mitrovic was probably watching that pod and uh, he decided to go out and, and show us that he wasn't. Anyway, look, this is Viewer's Voice. As everybody knows now, the the, the way we work it on Viewer's Voice, um, each week um, each one of the guests will give a topic to discuss um, and uh, we'll go around the houses and kind of get people's opinions on it. So up for us this week, um, we are going to have Ashes and Ash, your um, topic is a very topical yes. topic at the moment is uh, I'm only going to say social media. Um, and oh, actually, and just to say, he is listening. I am tuning tuning in. And <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> um, so, uh, Ash, um, social media, discuss. <laughs> it's a cesspit, mate. I think that's probably the best way of putting it. It's frustrating. It really is frustrating. And what makes it worse is that we've got people who are Liverpool fans and top Reds. Oh, here he is. Here's all wrong. Did you close that deal? <laughs> hey, you know, norm- normally I wouldn't, I would have, I would have just ignored them, but they're one of those clients that keeps the keeps the light on. So um, decent add-ons, Ron. Decent yeah, add-ons. They, they, they pay good money, so you, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't just say I'll talk to you later. Better than us. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> so, uh, Ash. On uh, social media, Ron, um, we've already spoken about last Saturday. I'll get your opinion um, um, before we move on to uh, to the next uh, topic. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, 
last Saturday obviously was disappointing for a lot of reasons. I do agree with uh, with the rest of the guys, though. I think I think their response has been a little bit overblown, and I understand why, considering we lost the league by one point. But um, I'd rather us have our bad day in the season now, while there's still so still so many ways to make it up, as opposed to having our bad day like that uh, in May. So it is what it is, and we we move on and, and let's and let's push forward. Good stuff. And that's a nice little segue because, Ash, you wanted to talk about social media. Um, and I don't think it's just around even that result because I think one I've seen was we need to sign a midfielder to try and get back into this um, title race. <laughs> one game in. Um, yeah. But um, transfers as well. It's just everything, isn't it, mate? Like you said, it's individual criticism of each player, the team as a whole, lack of spending not a high enough profile player that we're signing, results, contracts given to players. It's just, if there's something to moan about, there's, there's got to be pinpointed. It's just ridiculous. It's comical. It really is comical. And we've, we've all probably seen it. You know, it's there every day. You can see it. It's, if there's something to be found, they're going to say it. And it's just ridiculous it really is and surely it's all about enjoying the moment yeah okay we dropped two points it's Fulham right it's the first game of the season who cares it's one game there's 37 games left to go Man City lost the first game last season against Spurs did they did they wave the white flag no they didn't they ended up winning the league unfortunately by one point one game doesn't determine what's going to happen for the rest of the season but we've got people chucking it in already or blaming the fact that we've got a lack of midfielders or we haven't spent enough money and, and stuff. It just it just seems like all they are is a Klopp-era fan and they just don't understand half the things that, as fans like ourselves, have been through for the last 20, 30, 40 years, or however that may be. We've been through the highs. We've been through the lows. Like me, we were like a few hours away from liquidization. And we had Hicks and Gillette. Roy Hodgson, the list is endless. But because we haven't signed a midfielder, because apparently we've got like three out in, in, in midfield because they're out injured, it's the end of the world. That's it. You know, let's wave the white flag. We're, we haven't got no money. We're cheap. FSG don't spend. It's just, it's comical, mate. It's just, just annoying more than anything. It's and I think Chris sums it up there as well. Is that like, um, I don't think, well, look, we have a handful um, of people that will think that we're fine uh, with the midfield that we have. Um, but I think, um, I mean, Ron thinks our midfield is tenuous. Just to go- <laughs> 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 the words I knew right. <laughs> No, no. But um, I think what Chris says there, it's fine if you want to have another midfielder. And, and Chris himself will agree that we, he feels he needs one. But you don't need to be an arsehole. Um, I'll say the full word, uh, Chris just says arse, uh, arsehole on social media. Um, and, what, I mean, I'll come to you next, Dan. What do these people, like, why, <clears throat> why do they do, why do they make the comment? Are they getting some sort of, is it like an instant gratification where somebody actually agrees <clears throat> with them? Is it, like... Are they looking for somebody to talk to and looking for a reaction? Like it's, it just comes across as a little bit sad, and it's not even reaction to matches, okay? Because I, I get that everybody's be pissed off after a bad result, and um, 
Um, but you've got the the whole issue with a midfielder. You've got uh, like people, people tweeting and like tagging Liverpool Football Club, ta- tagging uh, John Henry's wife Linda. Um, like, <laughs> what what is it they think that's going to happen by 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 doing these things? I mean, uh, we, we've all seen them tweets where they've. You know, say they've, they've tagged Linda or they've tagged, uh, tagged John W. Henry and asked him to spend some money on X, Y, or Z. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I don't know if, if they're actually genuine fans of the club or if they are. I don't know if they're just doing it for, for a laugh because some of the things that they come out with, you know, a normal person's not thinking like that. You know, it's kind of a... You, you, you tweet these the, these things that they tweet, and you think, where, where have you got that idea from? I mean, some of the stuff that they say online, um, we haven't bought this player, or we need to buy this player. But then the, the, there's no there's no rhyme or reason as to why they've said it. They've just come out and tweeted this tweet. I think it is a lot of it to just to get clicks, to get likes, to get interaction. I think a lot of them like the, yeah, maybe the club, but I think a lot of them like the, the, um, the, they like to antagonize people and they like to get a reaction. Um, and obviously we've all seen top reds and all, and all that kind of thing on, on online. There is a lot of fans that are very balanced, um, that give balanced views all the time. Um, and very rarely do they overreact, but the majority, well, not the majority, that there is a minority that will just go completely the other way. Um, and there's, there's no, when you, when you, when you try, I mean, I've, I've got involved in conversations on a couple of occasions with, with a few of them in, involving their tweets and, and I said, well, why do we need that player? Or what makes you think that we need to spend this kind of money? Or, what makes you think we have that kind of money to spend? You know, that pandemic, I suppose, uh, just pre and post pandemic, where nobody was spending any money, but Liverpool were tight because they weren't spending any money and they were making excuses. It, it was there in black and white that the reasons we weren't spending money was because of no fans in the ground and commercial deals had, had been put on hold or had been diluted, if you like, and then you've got no match day revenue coming in and even then, they're still not they're still not listening to that. They're not taking it on board. It's just like you know, there's no point arguing with four. Is there really? It's, it's but John, just, but it's John, John Henry bought a new yacht, Dan. Yeah, yeah. He bought, <laughs> he bought me one as well. But, uh... <laughs> I think I think uh, I think Kev uh, touched on it there. It, it is. Look, let's let's face it. It's not just Liverpool fans. Uh, no. It is a societal problem. Um, and like he says there, social media is lawless. Print media have to abide by laws. This isn't a Liverpool thing or a football thing. It's a real issue society has to deal with. And that is true. And, and maybe it's something that we pick up on a little bit more, obviously, from uh, the Liverpool fan base because we're more likely to have that in our feed, et cetera, et cetera. We see them being uh, uh, shared in uh in chats and WhatsApp groups, etc., as well. Um, it's on Facebook. I mean, it's that quick. I, I told a story earlier on. I, I showed you the picture. There was a picture of Simicas and Tiago, um, clearly in some sort of a rehab suite, but it looked like a kind of a swimming pool. And they were smiling, and Tiago yeah. had his hands up in the air. And like the comments underneath it were like, "I thought you were injured." 
why are you looking so happy? Um, like, as, like you're not allowed to smile if you're injured. You should be at home sitting down with a bag of peas on your knee watching yeah, the boxing. That's not what happens. Like, do you know what I mean? They still go to training ground. They still do rehab. There's actual underwater treadmills that they use. They do a lot of pool work. But, like, it's just, like, so, it's like, there's, I, I try not to reply to it anymore, but it's sometimes it's, it's too hard. Um, but it's not just transfers and it's not just um, results. Like, Salah scores a winning goal. Oh, Salah didn't smile in his celebration. Do you think that means yes. that he's not going to sign a new deal? And then all of the body, the body language experts come out. Ron, um, I don't, I'm not sure how much social media you uh, uh, you look at. Um, I'm not sure whether this is a is it a is it a worldwide problem? Um, is it a problem in the states? Um, what what do you make of it? Uh, yeah, it's a big time problem um, in terms of, but it's it's a big time problem in terms of how, how much it gets pushed. But I think it's due to the way social media is set up. You know, with with the with the way the algorithm works, the more sensational you are, the more hyperbolic you are, the more clicks you get, the more it gets pushed to the front of everybody's feed, regardless of whether regardless of the veracity of what you're saying or whether it makes any sense or whether it's even sane or borderline, you know, abusatory. It doesn't matter. As long as it's driving views and clicks, it gets pushed to the front. Um, and you have a lot of guys who are um, looking to make their, get their five minutes of fame out of it, um, grow their viewer base, get their, get, their, get their engagement up so they can, you know, monetize on the platform. And unfortunately, that's, that's just how that model works. Um, and until we get a, a platform that, that tries to be a bit more sensible. I think, you know, we're going to be stuck with it for a while. Um, but the good thing is, you know, we have platforms like this and others um, who kind of push back to, to try to bring some sensib- a sensible voice. So for those viewers who are trying to engage for the first time or, or trying to feel their way into the space, uh, to see that there are, there are alternative views, alternative voices is, is a huge thing. Um, because if you just... Like I always think about somebody who's just starting to follow the Reds who doesn't live in Liverpool. You know, what are the ways you're going to be able to engage with the community first and foremost? Uh, it's through watching games and social media, right? Like that's going to be your first ports of call. Um, and unfortunately, if all you see uh, is everybody being hyperbolic anytime Tiago doesn't crack a smile for 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 whatever reason. You might think that you know everybody who loves football is, is everybody who loves Liverpool is schizophrenic. You know, when they win a game, they're over the moon, and you know they can't take a loss on the chin, they can't take a draw on the chin. But that's not how most of us are. That's just how the loudest among us happen to be. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head there in terms of the most likes, the most clicks. I remember I, um, I made a comment under a video before uh, that a, a, I'll call them a Liverpool fan. Put up, but they were literally completely lambasting the team. Like, and I made a comment underneath, and the reply questioned, um, "What do I? What do you know? You only have a hundred and such and such followers." And I was like, "It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't what matter. does how many followers I have got to do with what I know about football? Like, do you know what I mean? It's just it just shows a show, yeah. though, doesn't it? Like, some people's got 60, 50, 60, 000 k followers because they just talk." bollocks all the time 
and people just giving clickbait all the time. And it's just they're just nonsense 24-7. Liverpool are in a, a no-win situation with half of our fan base because no matter what they do, they're going to get criticised. We need to buy a midfielder. Yeah, okay, we can all of us, between us, can identify we need a midfielder. We're not blind, right? But as we have seen over the years, we do a lot of prep. We do a lot of scouting. We always make sure we choose the right player that's going to fit the team. But then if we pander to all these people on social media and buy a midfielder, and if they don't work out, then they're going to get criticised for just buying the wrong player. It doesn't matter who it's going to be. So if it's not, if we're not going to buy anyone, then we're going to get criticised. If we buy someone and they're not going to perform, then it's going to be what a waste of money. It's just no I, win I, at all. Van Dijk, Canate, they, they yeah. should have all. Uh, they should all show you that the club will not go and just aimlessly spend money on. Exactly. You know, um, option number three or four, just because one and two aren't available at said date, they all wait and wait to get them, and that's all that we've done that for the last five or six years. It's not going to change. Another another thing that cheers me off is Harvey Elliott. He had a contract extension today. The club announced it, and the first thing, oh, this is a cover up. It's a cover up. <laughs> it's a cover up because we're not going to buy a midfielder. It's like. Get your head out of your asses, man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> trust, trust the team. Trust Klopp. Trust everything. They've proved over the last few years that they've given us enough to realise that what they're doing is correct. What does it matter? Surely. Exactly Just, that. And, and I started, like I, like I said, when I first came on to, the ch- to this channel, I started following Liverpool in 2005. And I remember distinctly coming in around that time, the big criticism about the way the, the club was run was that we were trying to buy the biggest name that may not necessarily fit what we were trying to do. Just because, you know, a bit, a bit of fan appeasement, trying to get butts in seats, trying to fill up and, and trying to get engagement that way. And now we have a, now we have a, a management team. We have a, ma- we have a coach and a manager who eschews that whole strategy and only buys the guy that, he, the guys that he thinks is going to fit. And we still have a problem. It's like, well, which one do you want? <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you want us to just go splash eighty million on somebody who probably Klopp doesn't even really want? Might not fit. We'd be up. They'd be, we'd be. They'd, we'd be upset about. They'd be upset about that too. So it's like, make your mind up. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like um, they come out and they complain that we're not like we're not signing somebody right this second. You don't know what's going on behind the scene. Nobody knows. And I think that's been said several times on here. Yeah, like it, it's, like, it's like a swan, you know what I mean? It's all graceful on top of the legs and gone a million miles behind the scenes. And you just don't know. So they're online giving out, spouting out that we're not signing this. But how many of them do you think could pick uh, Matthew Nunes out of a lineup? I don't think how, many of them. <laughs> how, how many of those? How many of those have actually watched what he's like in, in the Primera? I don't know what, if he's going to be suitable for us. A name gets dropped and they automatically think that's the player that we should be going for. It doesn't work like that. For all yeah, we, we know, he could be having his medical right now. And <laughs> we don't actually know. No one knows what's going on. We're so watertight now. Nothing gets leaked until about an hour before it's revealed. And it's just so frustrating. Well, look, there's a, there's so a nice comment there from Michael Murphy. The Redmen TV, the Anfield Rep and you, the LFC Day Trippers, represent us lifelong Liverpool fans. Um, Thanks very much. We see, we see things clarity. That's why we're not just yeah. we're not just seeing it through a, a fog. We just see how it is. We're not stupid. And like I said at the very start of this, I'm going to move on to the next topic now in a minute because it does kind of nearly segue into dance topic. Um, we all 
would like a, a, a midfielder like as much as the next person, but we don't go online kicking and screaming, throwing tantrums when it doesn't happen, or if it's not happening yesterday. Um, uh, we trust, well, I trust the process. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for a reason. Um, um, but um, look, we shall see what happens. Uh, Dan's uh, topic is, should we add to the midfield and um, mm-hmm. the tenuous midfield um, and given um, in, in at first oh, no actually when you put the topic in it was rival you did just say rival yeah, uh, rather than rivals so let's have a look at um, how we kind of match up in terms of against City our biggest rival um, stats wise and um, why should we in your opinion or should we in your opinion add to the midfield okay um, so some of the stats I got, uh, if anybody plays FPL, um, then they will know from Twitter, they will know uh, a person called Ben Dennery does a lot of the pre game, um, lineup predictions in terms of who's injured, who's not, like that kind of thing. Um, he also runs a side business, um, as well. So I got the stats or some of these stats from him. So I asked him to look at Liverpool's and City in terms of their uh, injury record from last season, just in the Premier League. So, and it was in terms of games lost in a total of the squad. So Liverpool last season, in terms of games lost through player injury, was 108 games. Man City lost 93 games. In terms of lost ball, well, lost players through injury for 93 of the Premier League games in total out of their squad. So when you looked at both of the numbers there, there's not much of a difference. It's, it's, you know, it's nip and tuck to be fair. Then I asked him to specifically look into our midfields, both ours and cities. And that's where the norm, the numbers kind of changed alarmingly. So we had 58 games where players were out injured in the Premier League in total from our midfielders. City, on the other hand, only lost 16 players for games in the Premier League. So there's a massive difference in that um, in terms of, I suppose, player durability. Um, There are caveats to that. City have a better midfield. Um, You can spread the games amongst the players, and I'll look at that now. Uh, in terms of appearances, uh, season 2021-2022, in all competitions, um, and this is based on starts, so we look at our um, squad, Endo 36 starts in all comps, Fab 35, Thiago 24. So when you, I suppose if you look at our first choice three in midfield, they, they are the first choice three, them three players there. When you look at City, Rodri made 43 starts in all comps last season. KDB made 34 starts. Bernardo Silva, 44 starts. Foden, 32. You could probably argue that Foden's not really a midfielder. He's kind of a wide forward, but yeah. Uh, Gundogan, 26. And Fernandinho, 12. And then we have uh, Milner made uh, 12 starts, uh, Cater 19, Ox 12, Jones 12, and Elliot 5. So, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you look at the numbers there, you can probably say that the one outstanding number is obviously Rodri's. He makes 43 starts. Um, but I think we can we can probably all agree that he's coming into the peak of his career and he's an absolute physical beast. Six foot two, I think he is. He can run, he can tackle, he can head. Um, very really gets he- injured. Looked a bit heavy last weekend, right, huh? Yeah. Community Shield. Yeah. Try to look a bit yeah. chunky. But, but I thought, um, oh, in terms of weight. Yeah. He looked <laughs> like he, he was still carrying a bit of... Uh, um, summer break, but yeah, yeah. Do you know the way yeah. Bobby used to come back, he used to have nearly like a double chin, yeah, take him possibly. two weeks to get rid of it. But that's what uh, Rodri looked a little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, that, that's probably because they are, they are, I suppose, they are behind. I know I want to talk, by the way, pre season fitness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still carrying um, baby weight from 13 years ago. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so when you look at when you look at their numbers, like you say, they are. They are able to manoeuvre them players in terms of their their minutes around more than what we were. Um, You can see by the numbers, obviously, KDB 34, Silva 44 and Rodri 43. Um, It it screams that they are probably, I don't know, maybe better physically prepared. Um, And they obviously play, they they start more games, but do they finish? as many as what our players have done. Um, Henderson, for example, played more games last season under Klopp than any other player has ever played. And yes, there is a caveat. Obviously, we played every single game that was available. But when you look at his age, his profile, his injury record, and you look at that, it's like, did he play too much? Because my opinion for the back end of last season, maybe the last two, three, four games, including the Champions League, was we looked... Mentally and physically, we look tired. That was my that was my personal opinion. Um, and I think when you look at the numbers there, Endo and Fab, you know, thirty five and thirty six appearances in starts. Sorry, in the league, um, in all comps, and then Thiago's the next one down, and he's eleven games behind that. Um, so yeah, I think that the, the numbers tell that they have they have a bigger pool. The other stat that I looked at, which was surprisingly, City have, since the end of summer of 2017, Manchester City have, have only bought two midfielders since yeah. 2017. So everybody complains that we haven't bought a midfielder for three or four years. Man City have done exactly the same thing. They've, not, they've, they've bought two. One of them was Rodri, and the other one is Calvin Phillips, who they've just bought this summer. Apart from that, you have to go back to, like I say, the start of 2017, that summer is when they bought Bernardo Silva. So, you know, they've they've done exactly the same as what we have. Um, so, yeah, that my, I don't know, I'll leave it to the panel to to give their views on whether or not they think we need to, to add to our midfield. I think from looking at that, it just looks like they have probably a little bit better in terms of depth. Um, and can probably rotate a little bit more than what we can. Mm. Um, having said that, 
Anderson only played 36, Rodri played 43. We played in every single game of every single tournament. So we would have had the likes of Jones, we would have had the likes of Keita, we would have had the um, the likes of Martin, etc., uh, playing in the likes of the League Cup and FA Cup. Um, looking at those figures, I'll come to you next, Ron. Um, does that give any indication as to whether we need to add or we need to kind of add more quality, let's say, to be able to do a little bit more heavy lifting? I would say it does. Um, and I think the next step in terms of analyzing that is to think about um, not just the number of games played, but also um, how the team performs with who actually makes up the selection. Um, and to be perfectly blunt, you know, our mid- the function of our midfield relies on two people being ever present. That's Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. You, you miss those two. You could put in Navigata, you could put in whoever you want, all left in the squad. It you're you know you already know it, you you're gonna be a little bit hesitant about how that's gonna work. Um not to say, you know, we can't have guys step up and do a job. It happens from time to time, and I would back them to do so. But from Klopp's own view, you know, Jordan Henderson and Rubinho are the first two names on team sheet in Millfield week in, week out in the Premier League. Um and for the fact that, you know, as Jordan has gotten on a bit, you know, he's had to, he's picked up his injuries, the niggling injuries that he gets take a little bit longer to get over. Um, so he, where he would only miss maybe one game, now he might miss two. Um, Fabinho, it's not so much of how many games he misses, but how many games it takes him to get back up to speed. Um, you know, anything happens to either one of those, and you know we've got some serious questions to to think about in terms of our functionality in our midfield. So, I think that combined with the the, the analysis Dan just gave doesn't mean we need to throw our toys out the pram, obviously, but it is some serious consideration for the fact that we probably do need another reliable body um, there in, in the midfield. Um, I did just from and and as you say that there, and just looking at the figures that Dan has has just given us, I think at, at the back, do you know what I mean? It, it, we are still kind of remembering what happened a couple of seasons back, but we currently have a, a, an injury to Kanate. Is anybody overly worried about having that injury to Kanate? Probably not, because we have Matip and we have um, Gomez. Um, uh, up front, we currently have Jota out. Is anybody overly concerned about that? No, we have Nunes, we have Firmino, we have Diaz and Salah. What you've said there is right, Ron, that you've probably got two people there. Uh, two of those three you would probably want to have in your starting eleven consistently. Um, and I don't think if City were to lose, bar De Bruyne, okay, if they were to lose a Rodri or a Silva, and have to play with Gundogan and maybe a another in there um, for an extended period of time, it wouldn't actually impact them as much as us losing Henderson and Fabinho, or even just Fabinho, or even just one of them. And I know we've lost Thiago. Um, and for that reason, maybe that's why I think that you need to have just a little bit more quality. Look, Ox, probably, I don't, to be honest with you, probably ever see Ox playing for Liverpool again. Um, we have Jones injured, we have Thiago injured, Martin is gone. Even Leighton Clarkson is gone. 
Um, so we're kind of nearly running out of backup. And I know that there's, there's messages saying there, if we turn to a two in midfield, it kind of takes the, the, the pressure off that. But Ash, um, looking at the figures that Dan has given us there, what's your opinion on the midfield? I think we covered it a little bit last week, didn't we, mate? It's, everyone wants a new shiny toy. Um, and I think between us all, we've always made, always made a point that we are potentially a little bit short um, and that investment is needed. And I think I said last week, I think next summer is when we will go hard. But then I did predict that we're not going to get any injuries. And look what's happened. I've kind of screwed that over. And now Tiago's out for six weeks and I think that might push our push our hand a little bit. I'm not going to turn around and say that we're going to buy someone, but who knows? It's given us more of an impetus to go out and potentially sign a, sign a midfielder to strengthen it. You've got to remember these are the same same group of lads that got us 63 games last year, played every single game. Uh, it doesn't happen on a whim. You yeah. know, they're experienced lads. They've been there a while. They've worked on the clock. They've trained on the clock. They know what to do and what the system involves. Like I said, bringing someone in, if they're not Premier League experienced, it's going to take a while for them to get up to speed anyway. But again, it's... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we're like. If I'm, yeah. if I'm true fans, I think we're like. And it doesn't necessarily need to be some sort of a marquee signing. No, do you know what no. I mean? It, it, it's, it's, exactly. and it doesn't necessarily need to be somebody that comes in and starts every game. But yeah. it, it, it's nice to have something there. Should the yeah, with the view, and I've said that maybe, and not even necessarily competition to. To Fabinho because I, I was talking about it and I was saying maybe he's complacent. I'm, I'm not sure whether he's complacent. It's probably more comfortable than complacent. There's nobody else really challenging him. The only person that can really play in there other than him is Hendo. Yeah. Um, but more often than not, you'll probably find that both of them are playing. So there's nobody really, really, really pushing him for his space. Exactly. Um, and I'm yeah. not doubting his attitude. I'm not doubting anything like that. But it's always nice to have some young gun hunting down your place in the team. At the moment, I don't feel he has that, and we are a little bit light in terms of the, the six or the defensive midfielder. Mm. So, yes, we've got Fabinho, uh, for Hendo that can sit in there for him if he's looking to take Fabinho out. But then what happens if Fabinho gets an injury and then it's Henderson playing in the six? Who takes over for Henderson for an extended period of time? Oh, really? it's, uh, uh, yeah, um, and... Uh, Kato, maybe, yeah. Curtis then, Jones, you could put Cavallo in there if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, but then, okay. again, you're relying on two 18-19 year-olds to, to fill out the void. And I, I don't particularly see Cavallo being a midfielder. He's no, no, no. I think that's, that is last Left wing or 10. Is yeah, yeah. yeah. I think if we're really desperate, then we might see him slot into that. But it's not it's not his position. That is literally a case of, like, we had Fabinho playing in defence a couple of years ago. It was needs must. Um, but I, I've said it before, I've, I do think we'll see a lot more of the 4-2-3-1 this year, which means there's only two places in midfield up for grabs, which will give us more opportunity to rotate and potentially avoid injury. And I will use potentially lightly because I don't trust myself anymore. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> not after last week, I'm not saying anything anymore. It's looking very more tenuous, as Ron would say last week. It's getting more tenuous as the week goes by. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, all right, I'm all right, I'm I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> <laughs> that word runs like the Undertaker. Yeah. It just keeps coming back. 
Or Alisson makes a good point there. He said that if it was up to him, he'd probably get an English midfielder and not register Ox. He will barely play until January due to injury and World Cup anyway. But then that's that's a little nod towards that summer, isn't it? Mm. With, uh, with all JB coming in. Yeah, I mean, who do you buy now that's English? Exactly. I think I think it looks inevitable that next summer we're going to go hard for Jude Bellingham. So one English out, one English in. So well, Look, there's still... Um, what is it, three weeks left in the yeah. transfer window? Um, I'm still confident that we probably do something. Um, but again, if it happens, it happens. If not, sure, we, we dust down and, and, and move on. It is a bit of a strange season this year. It's a case of, the, I think, 16 games, is it? Uh, and six, is it six cup games? 20, 16 league games. games before six the World Cup. Champions League and yeah. one or two cup, yeah. I think it's something yeah. like that. So, look, um, we'll move on anyway. Um, I, I know, um, Ron, <laughs> your uh, topic was... Um, the menace that is Darwin Nunes, and should Darwin Nunes start against Palace next Monday? I personally think he should, but over to you. And I would agree with that. Um, and I say this as a person who uh, is a huge Bobby fan. I, I don't. I'm glad. I, I, I hope he signs on his days. I always think there's a a place and a use for him in the squad. Um, but even in the community shield, you know, whenever, you know, it's hard to take last week's performance and, and try to say, nope, somebody shouldn't be starting us because if that was the case, you could say that about 11 players, right? Well, 10, because Allison really didn't do anything wrong. Um, so not based on that, but even if you just look at that performance and the community shield performance, doesn't like Bobby's hit the ground running. He's not, he hasn't been, he wasn't terrible in the community shield, but, um, He's coming off the back of a season where, um, to be fair, wasn't his best. Just put it that way. Um, and he's got another. He had, a, he, you know, when Jada initially came in, he got a he got a rocket up the backside. The performances weren't. There was a performance uptick from him. Um, had an injury, unfortunately, and it's been slow to get back. Uh, now you've got another young, hungry forward. Uh, who looks like he's ready to light the world, try to let the world on fire. Um, and I, I would say, give him a shot, see what he can do. You know, this is the biggest stage and the beautiful, th- and the beautiful thing about the way the squad's constructed now, at least in our forward options is you can, you can give him that game to let him to say, Hey, here, here, you announce yourself on the Premier League stage. And if it's not going good, you know, we have options on 60 and 70 to rec- try to rectify that. Especially, so for me, I would take the punt and start in next week. Um, no disrespect to Bobby, but um, I'd love to get you guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, um, what I would say is, and I think it may have been um, winners and losers or the forum as it turned into for one night only um, on Monday. <laughs> um, I think somebody made the point on it. I can't remember now, but they said that they would have liked to see Nunes start uh, because we knew Fulham were going to come up and they they were going to put it up to us. But he was the one person that maybe Fulham wouldn't have had their homework done on. Um, they would have known how we've played. They've probably played against that, well, the club have played against that team before um, and they'd know most of the players. The one kind of unknown entity 
was probably Nunez. And maybe, uh, well, no, they would have known Carvalho, obviously, because he played with played at uh, yeah. So throw in Nunez to, for that kind of bit of unpredictability. And to be honest with you, when he comes on, uh, he's an absolute menace. I played centre-half when I played football, not to a great standard, but you just didn't like playing against players like him, that you like, you literally, he's on one shoulder, one side, and you turn around and he's gone. And um, he just absolutely pulled him asunder. Ash, your opinion on Nunez? I know you're going to game, so you probably want him to start just for that reason. Um, but in terms of um, the game itself, should he start against Palace? Uh, without doubt. Um, I think the last two games, uh, the Charity Shield and at the weekend, it was a game changer. I generally thought you changed the game in our advantage of both games. Um, City couldn't handle him when he came on um, he had a good one-on-one chance which he missed and then obviously got his goal at the end and then on, on Saturday he was, he was a bit of a menace he got his goal should have scored exactly the same kind of goal two minutes earlier um, yeah people are saying it, was, it might be an own goal it was lucky deflection it don't matter it went in off him at the end of the day He's got his goal. That's the first one. And I think that's the only prediction I got right was last week was I said that Nunes will get his first goal on Saturday. So I got one out of three. So I'll take that. Um, no, I think, uh, without a doubt, mate, I think he needs to start on Sunday, uh, Monday, should I say. And like I said, game changer. And he just put himself there. He's knocking balls down uh, for Diaz, who obviously could have scored, but he didn't. Set up Mo, however much he knew about that, I no one knows because it just seems to just come off him and Mo was training in the right ground place. move. That was that was yeah, so, <laughs> telekinesis straight away. It's only taken a couple of weeks and Mo's in the right place. Telepathic, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just been both games, mate. Just changed it in our advantage, and we know what it's like. They like to um, the clock likes to bed him in, doesn't he? For a few weeks and then and chuck him in, but I don't think that's I don't think that's the case with Nunes. He's just a bit like Diaz, coming perform straight away and hit the ground running. So definitely, without a doubt, mate, got to see him on Monday. Without a doubt, it's, it's inevitable. I think. So Chris says there. Sorry, just uh, is part of the factor that has made him a game changer uh, coming on against third legs for the last thirty. Um, no. Dan. Do you think it's a, a case that he looks a menace or it looks like a game-changer because teams that he's coming on against are already tired? Um, yeah, I mean, that could be a factor. But um, what I noticed about him in the City game, Ruben Diaz, he, he, he pulled him all over the place. He had a horrid time trying to mark him. And he's not even, he's not even physically up to the standards that we probably wanted to be yet. Um, and he, he was an absolute menace for Ruben Diaz. The same against Fulham at the weekend. Their centre-backs had an easy game up until he comes on. Bobby's dropping, dropping into that half space in between the field and the attack to pick up the ball. He's not got any runners in front of him. Their two centre-backs were obviously got nothing ready to do. Um, so they've had an easy game and then on comes... Nunez and the problem you've got is the two centre backs. They know he's good in the air, so you're probably going to want to go man for man. So you'll either screen him in front, or you'll have one that slips in and sweeps in behind. But he's also very, very good quick. So I think it was Tim Ream that was one of the centre backs. I mean, he, he obviously knows that he's going to do him for pace, even if he is the one in behind sweeping. He's still doing him for pace. So automatically, straight away, 
And when he comes onto the to the pitch within the first couple of minutes, they know they're in the game, the two centre backs, because they've got a big lad, six foot plus, he's good in the air, he's very, very quick on the ground, he's wiry, he's gonna give you a hard time. And against Palace, he will need to start up front for me because the one thing I noticed about Anderson last season when he was at Fulham, the guy's very good in the air and give him the time on the ball and he will pop balls over the top, 50, 60 yards into the feet of the likes of Eze and Zahar. And I don't know about you, but I don't want Eze or Zahar running at our fullbacks because if they're, if they're, you know, they're one-on-one against them too, they're getting toasted. It's as simple as that. Um, so he, if he plays, gives you the option to say, you can say to him, look, leave Guy, or I, I, I'm pronouncing his name, I'm absolutely butchering his name, but the other guy that plays centre-back for him, the young English lad, leave him alone because he's he's not very good with the ball at his feet. He's okay. But just make sure that you are within two or three, five yards of Anderson. So when he gets hold of the ball, he's got the ball at his feet, he doesn't get time to look up. Just close him down, make sure he does get no time whatsoever. And then you're there as well on the other side of it to win them balls when we can go direct, when we need to go direct, if we do. He's there to to occupy that. And also they know that in behind, there's no reason for Palace to turn around and say, we're going we're gonna to push this 10 yards further forward. You know, Patrick Vieira is not going to say to his team, if he starts at the start of the game, try and condense this pitch because Bobby's not going to run in behind us. If Nunes is playing, if they're not going to do that. There's no way they're going to try and do that. So if, for me, he has to start um, against Palace. He occupies the both of them, more importantly than anything else. And that gives, obviously, Diaz or Bobby or whoever you're going to start on either side, or obviously Salah, um, sorry, Salah and uh, Diaz, it frees them up because the fullbacks are then, it's one-on-one. So left side, right side, they're one-on-one against their players. The fullbacks know that the centre-backs, they can't pull them over to the other side because they're being occupied by this guy. If you leave him one-on-one, I think he's going to do either one of them. So, yeah, he's, he's got to start for me. And I think you actually saw when he came on at the weekend and, and probably when Elliot came on as well, that it actually gave Salah that little bit more space and a bit, we, got, we started to become a little bit more dangerous down that right side. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's where most of our chances actually came from. Um, yeah. And it is probably because he does tend to occupy, but like defenders have the choice to make now. Do we double up on Salah? Do we double up on Diaz? Do we double up on Nunez? We, we can't double up on all of them. So one of them is getting space. So even if it's a case that they're doubling up on Malta, frees up Nunes and, and Diaz with more space. So I, I think, and I, I said this last week, that when, when we had Mane, Firmino and uh, Salah, defenders didn't know what to do with them at one stage. I think that front three of Diaz, Nunes and Salah will probably cause more trouble for defenders because they all have pace. Um, and once you're doubling up on one, you're, you're leaving space for the space for the other. Well, um, the, the only thing the the opposition fullbacks can possibly do is to say, "Well, don't really want to leave our centre backs isolated with with Nunes." So, and I don't really want to be one on one with Mo Salah either. So, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to tuck in five or ten yards. The right back's going to tuck in five or ten yards, and we're just going to have a nice condensed the width of the eighteen yard box. That's our back four. But what that allows us again to have is Robertson and Trent on the outside overlapping 
uh, and, and whipping balls in. So it, it either whichever way you look at it, it creates space and creates time for players around you. So yeah, he, uh, he's got to be he's got to be a start for me. And and I personally think, and I'll, I'll ask all three as well. So if he gets in, if he, st- I think if he starts on Monday, does well on Monday, that's it. He's in the team. That's his. He's kind of nearly cemented his spot. Yeah. Well. Oh. <laughs> well, is my, is my point tenuous? <laughs> uh, no, it's not tenuous. It's it's fairly strong because I tend to agree with it. But I, but you know, there is a guy, uh, a twenty goal score, a twenty twenty goal Premier League player by the name of Diogo Jota that might want to have something to say about that. So it's not necessarily guaranteed that he that he that he he does but he'll be in front of Bobby. But um, I I don't know if he nears, if the spot if the shirt is is definitely his. Yeah, Jota will have a lot to say about that. I think we might see Jota more on the left, competing with Diaz if Nunes is on fire. Okay, so I have a question. Then you have Carvalho competing with all three of them. I have a question about Jada on the left. Because I think, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a a lot of people, a lot of us last season looked at Jada on the left and and said, eh, rather not, rather have him down the middle. So while he might pop up on the left out of necessity, do you guys really think that that's something that's, that that might be viable going forward, because it might hit John on John on the left with Diaz with with Nunez in front of him might be a completely different prospect. I, I so, think I think um, the good thing as well. Sorry, Dan. No, no, go on, mate. Go on. Go on. Uh, what I was going to say was the good thing as well is Nunez plays the left a lot on last season for Benfica, so you might see a lot of crossover between the two. So you might start with like Nunez uh, Nunez down the middle and Jota on the left. And then it might not work for the first 10, 15 minutes. And then you might see a, an interchange during the game. So you might see a period of time where Jota's down in the middle and we stick Nunes on the left. I think the good thing is with Jota, Nunes and Diaz, it's, there's a, they can go between the two positions, between them all. Um, I think we did see a little bit of that as well when we were yeah. with the Mane, Firmino and uh, Salah. There was a lot of kind of chat. You, you didn't know which one of them was going to pop up on which side or which one of them was going to be down the middle. So there, there was a lot of interchange on it. So um, yeah. uh, Kev O'Sullivan had up there as well as that he would be more interested in who replaces Thiago. Um, so look, what we'll do is we're going to get into that. So um, we're going to do predictions lineup. Predictions. We're going to do score predictions. Um, everybody knows the rules. If you're picking goals, you must tell us who um, predicted them. At this stage now, I think I should probably vanish um, after last week's prediction, which is <laughs> my Chris Brack segue into IP Vanish. So, did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right, without adding added security. You might as well give all of your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other preying eyes. Uh, IP Vanish makes it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded by falling from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan to our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. 
That's just like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So to get your deal, go to ipvanish.com forward slash daytrippers and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com forward slash daytrippers. I'm glad Ash hasn't vanished. So I'll come to you first, Ash. We'll get the, the, the bogey out of the way first. So um, line up from Monday. So my lineup, Ali and Goal. Obviously, um, same back four as what it was as Fulham. So Trent, Matip, Burge and Robbo. And then I think in midfield, it's going to be Fabinho, Hendo and Elliot. And then up front, it's going to be Diaz, Nunez and Salah. So the second half of last weekend, I reckon. Well, okay. until Milner come on and Score. I'm not going to. I'm not jinxing it, mate. I'm not I'm not even gonna try. I'm I'm gonna keep <laughs> stum for this one. Ask me again next week, but I'm not doing it this week, sorry. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I'm not I'm not I'm Red, not, Red I'm not. Said, sorry, I was talking to my missus. What was that you were saying to I'll email it to you, Red Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can record it for us and we'll just play it. Um, Ron, line up. Similar or different? Or? Uh, exact same as Ash, uh, but I'll give scores. Uh, I'll say Diaz with the first and Nunez to, to cap the win. So 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil, two nil to the Reds. Okay. Uh, Dan, line up. Um, same goalkeeper in back four. Um, and then I would go Fab in the six. I'd go Hendo right side. I think he'll probably go K to left because although I can see the the plus points of having Ali in the team, I don't like Hendo playing on the right left hand side. I just think it the, the balance of the team's just off. So I wouldn't have that. And then Diaz, Nunez and Salah up top. And I would say we win two 0 Nunez and Salah with the goals. So Nunez Salah. And sorry Ron, you said Nunez. Diaz. Diaz. Yeah. Okay. I am going to say, and it's based off something that was said. This is going to sound wild. Um, it's based off what um, you said, Dan, in terms of the pace that Crystal Palace have um, and the fact that Anderson can spray balls uh, left, right, and center. So I'm going to go Allison and goal. I'm going to go Trent. I'm going to go Gomez and Van Dyke. Gomez for pace over uh, Matip um, and Robbo. Um, then I'm going to go, yeah, I'll go Fabinho. I had thought about not putting him in and putting Hendo in there. We'll go Fabinho. We'll go Henderson on the right-hand side of the midfield and Keita, same as you, Dan. And then we'll go uh, Salah, Nunes, Diaz. Um, I'm going to go for 3-1. And I am going to go for... Salah by two and Nunes by one. Sure, you don't want to give a prediction, Ash? 
I'm tempting, mate, but I just do want to tempt you. <laughs> really, okay, okay. Really no, no, we, like won't, we, won't, we won't pressure you because we'll only blame you next week. Yeah, exactly, mate. Like I said, after me saying that we're going to win 5 0 against Fulham, I don't think that went down too well, did it? I'm not tempting it. I do not want to tempt you. Well, look, I mean, when was the last time I, I, I was seeing, I said this as well, bar the six get home games in the shutdown or lockdown or whatever you wanted to call it, um, that we played two games as bad as we had played last exactly, week in a yeah. row. So, um, and we normally come back and go on a little bit of a tear. Um, I have no, I am on unknown certain terms that the <laughs> club has put an absolute rocket up ever since that uh, result. Um, and they will be more than prepared. Um, you would hope uh, for Crystal Palace. Well, for <clears throat> for Palace, for us as fans, for Ash, for Shawnee, and for Matt, who's going to Anfield for only the second time. He's the real Jonah. If we don't win on that yeah. Monday, he is literally banned from the UK and ever attending any more Liverpool matches. Take his passport off him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll even consider uh, making him stand outside Ryan's against United. He can drink his points outside and look at the match through the window or something. Um, but, um, but anyway, look, um, thanks again for joining us, lads. Dan, is there anything else you have for us tonight? Um, I mean, I was just quickly going to say, uh, yeah. did anybody pick up on the fact that um, we have gone... One nil down in seven of our last nine games in all comps. Yeah, I did see that earlier. Last yeah. season and this season, and uh, uh, each of the last five league games, four in four of them, it's in the first fifteen minutes. So there's there's obviously a little bit of a a little bit of an issue there that we need to address. Um, yeah. Are you are you throwing in a last minute topic? Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. it's fine. Um, I, I've not, to be honest with you, do you know what? I've not really had a chance to think about it. I did see that stat. Um, what do you, you personally, you, you, so you've said it, what, what do you think it is? Um, I, would, I would, I mean, the, the ignorant answer would be that it's, it was fatigue, to be fair. Lack of concentration, maybe at the start of games, especially when you look at the uh, four of the five in the league we've conceded in the first fifteen minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is an issue because a lot of the time we were we were very good at that controlling game, especially for the first fifty, sixty minutes of a game, and teams were just looking for scraps in that last twenty, twenty five minutes. Let's let's get to sixty five, seventy, and see if we're still in the game. Now it's a case of if them if that carries on, let's let's try and hit them early and, and bloody the nose, and then we'll see what they've got. And I think that contributed to to us being maybe fatigued in the last three or four of the last of last season because you go one down very early. You know, you, it's not a case of you trying to manage the game. Then it's then the case of you trying to get back into the game before you can manage it. And that's obviously exerting a lot more energy than what you would want, because you know Van Dijk is a, a perfect example of a player that um, just glides through a game for probably six to seventy minutes of a game. He's just like a Rolls Royce, you know, puts himself into third or fourth gear whenever he needs to, but that's not very often. But uh, you know, and as a team, if you're going one down very early, I think that's an issue. Um, but I, I, I do, I, I would put it down to just to just mental fatigue. I don't think it's a structural thing. I don't think it's a um, a tactical thing, and I don't think it's a 
um, an attitude kind of thing, to be fair. It was just that fatigue. But I don't know what... what I'm just reading uh, Kevin Sullivan's uh, point there, and it's, it's something that I've probably noticed myself as well, is that did we lose it somewhat of a fear factor? Um, it's like teams aren't afraid to come out and have a go at us. And maybe it's because they saw us go behind. Um, and it's, uh, they, there you go. Yeah? If you sit back, we'll, uh, if they sit back, we'll score the best chances to gamble. Um, and we've seen more and more teams do it. It's amazing. Like, we don't see them do it against City. <laughs> Well, Why does everybody just pick on us? Mom, we'll have a go at these. Yeah, and, exactly. and I think that's what it is. But it's probably it's probably that because it was towards the back end, I think, of last season uh, that I noticed. And it maybe is a case of the fatigue. Maybe the, look, these lads have played 60-odd games, you know, 55 games. Mm. Um, so uh, I do think it's teams come out and they, they seem to... As much as Man City are the big team in the league now, it's still kind of more of a scalp, I think, to maybe beat us than it is to beat City. I know that's going to sound strange, but I just think it is still a bigger scalp to beat Liverpool. Um, so they come out and they have a go. Um, and some some get lucky. Some we shut out. Um, but um, I'm not going to say it's a worrying uh, factor, but it is a, a trend that maybe needs booking. Um, yeah. Ron, do you see it as being anything else? Uh, I agree with I agree with all of that. I also think there's one other thing added to that, which is the fact that um, for a long time, you know, for at least two seasons, um, teams like like you guys have pointed out, the team Dan pointed out, you know, teams realized that uh, and kept pointing out, teams realized that sitting back only gets the punch, right? So they've caught on to the fact that you know our best chance is to hit them as fast as we can and see what they've got. Whereas we've kind of got, we've adjusted, we've, we've kind of stayed in the mode of, well, they're going to sit back. If we just weather the first 15 minutes, dictate play, dictate terms, um, you know, we'll, we'll get our goals in the end. All we, have, we, just have to, we just have to wear them down. And we haven't caught, it doesn't seem like psychologically we've caught, caught on to the fact that, no, these guys are going to come out the trap screaming. We need, to, we need to punch them in the mouth early. So it seems like we've kind of, we've kind of conditioned ourselves to sort of slow walk into the game as opposed to come out of the traps based on the way things have been, which is, you know, everybody's sitting in two banks before, not really trying to get out, not really applying any pressure to us. Um, and I think we need to go back to regardless of how they're approaching the game, we still need to hit them first. Just come out of the traps like we did before and just punch them in the face and make them, make them wilt. But we've kind of shied away from that. Just to the way, just to the way games have been played out uh, for the last season and a half, two seasons. Do you agree with that, Ash? It, it, it has been a while since we've come out and absolutely blitzed the team. Do yeah, you, do you think that's, that's part of it? We we're kind of not necessarily sitting ducks, but we we do tend to sit back. We like to kind of pick our moments to uh, burst onto the attack rather than it just being. That's the heavy metal football that we maybe used to play. I'm used to it, it'll be three, four nil after 15, 20 minutes. We, we've not seen that in a while. Um, yeah, I, I think, like I said, compared to Klopp's early days, compared to now, it's a different ball game, isn't it? So to speak, excuse the pun. But um, like I said, it's not the heavy metal like we're used to. And 
it seems like we tried to play a more controlled game now and at a pace of our own, our own pace, shall we say. And it feels like a lot of teams, when they play us, they try and replicate what we were doing in the early o'clock days, try and blow, blow away in the first 10, 20 minutes, get the early punches in and then take control of the game and then, and that's it really. But I think the other two lads have, have summed it up well, really. Um, That's what I was laughing at there. Yeah, it's been a while since we played Arsenal. It's been, yeah, it's been a while need. since we played somebody away. It's been a while since we played Arsenal. <laughs> that's what we oh, need, man. don't we? Play Arsenal, win 3 4 now, <laughs> and then get it back on the bar wagon. Um, and then we have Arteta putting the uh, you never walk alone chance and all that around the uh, training ground again. Oh, that's um, classic. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think those two summed it up well, um, to be honest. Um, it's a combination of a lot of things. And uh, I can't see it lasting for a prolonged amount of time. I think it would be, it'd be a matter of time until we start seeing normality resume, to be fair. I think, yeah, although, and, go ahead, we, Ron, yeah. Although, you know, we did, uh, we do dish out a hiding every once in a while each season. And I was particularly happy that we, we, we gave one to Man United in the way we did. That was rather refreshing. So if it's going to be somebody, <laughs> let it be them again. Speaking of Manchester United, this empty Old Trafford that they're going to do for the Manchester for the Liverpool game on the twenty second, we emptied it twice last year for you. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't. It's just. I think somebody said, "Don't don't buy the tickets in the first place." I mean, why go and then walk out? Just don't buy the money are in yeah, the pockets. They're not going to be sure whether they stay for the whole match or not. What are you What are you achieving by walking out after sixty five minutes? Like you say, you've already paid. You've already bought your ticket, or you're a season ticket holder. You've already paid that during the preseason anyway. So what? The owners right. are just like, oh, we'll do not all the lads at home making up these uh, protests in their jerseys. This right. season's jersey, yeah. Ronaldo written on the back of it. As, as much as man. as much as everybody wants to um, take the mic out of Manchester United, the owners know as well as we do that if. 10,000 season ticket holders or 10,000 match day goers who buy normal on-sale tickets walk away and don't come back. There's 10,000 around the corner that are waiting for a ticket. They know that. So what were you going to say there, Ron? We'll give you the no, I was just saying, it's, it's, an, it's a very ironic protest considering that their main gripe is, is that the owners just want to take in money and you know get, squeeze as much money as they can out of the club. It's like, well... You're giving them the one thing you say that they want, and that's all they want. So, how's that really? How's that a protest against them? And they're like, "You're so let me get straight. You're upset with me, but you're going to give me what I want." Okay, <laughs> take it. <laughs> it's fine with me. <laughs> Anything else from you tonight, Ash? Um, no, mate. I'm I'm keeping my wits about me. I'm 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 keeping quiet. I'm just looking forward to Monday's game, mate. I uh, look forward to seeing a couple of the trippers. Um, it's going to be a bit of a, a heavy, long day, I'd imagine, but I can't, can't drink too much. I'm driving home, so I've got to, I've got to behave. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. be nice to be back in the stadium, see the Reds under the lights. And that's all I've got to say, really, mate. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> he else. was tempted to say this. I am not, I'm not going to say anything else. Like, this is it. I'm Text it to us. <laughs> <laughs> anything else from you, Ron? Uh, no, nothing else. Looking forward to, to Monday. It's going to be a couple interesting games this weekend. So, um, but it'll be hard to wait until Monday to watch the Reds. But, you know, we got to do what we got to do. Um, only thing I'm going to do is uh, mention don't forget Bobby's wish. 
No, I was just about to say, um, as Ron says, uh, we are supporting Bobby's Wish to Walk. Uh, the link will be in the description. Um, please donate if you can. Um, no donation too big or too small. If you can't <coughs> donate yourself, share the link, um, even into a WhatsApp group. Share it into your WhatsApp group. I have a WhatsApp group, and what we generally do is we run a last man standard, 50% to the winner, 50% to the charity um, that's running at the time. Um, if um, any of you um, donated to Sienna, you will have seen the, the um, treatment that Sienna had to have and how well she's doing now. That's similar uh, treatment to what Bobby is going to require as well. So please, if you can, share the link um, into your WhatsApp groups, into your family WhatsApp groups, and just get the, spread the word um, and get donations in. That's 150K they're looking to hit. Um, I'm not sure what it is at the moment, but it is over a hundred a hundred uh, thousand at the moment. So please, saying, yeah. 115 is it? That's what saying, yeah. yeah, excellent. So um, still a bit of a way to go, but um, let's smash that 150 and and, and get him his wish. Um, Ron, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm glad you sealed that deal before coming on. Ash, thanks for coming in and uh, joining the show, and Dan. Thanks, and myself and a few others will be on for some tickets for Formula One. Um, that was the viewer's <laughs> voice. Thanks to everybody in the comments. Um, thanks to Chris in the background. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, we'll see you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.